Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. All right. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On tonight's show, I have a returning guest, a special guest. We've done a lot of shows. Our last show was about Forrest Ackerman. He was the publisher of many science fiction novels or or books for decades, and we're very well known in Hollywood. He's also a a Hollywood memorabilia collector, but uh, our Forrest Ackerman interview is on my speaker channel. If you get a chance, go check that out. But we're going to kind of stay in that same territory and cover a book that I was interested in, never read until now, but the title of the book is Stranger in a Strange Land. It was published in 1961 by Robert Heinlein. He's considered one of the top three science fiction writers of all time in in the same uh, field or group with Asimov and Arthur C. Clarke. And uh, it was a fascinating book. And one of the reasons I wanted to read it was also because the name of the main character is Valentine Michael Smith. And that was also the name of one of Charles Manson's children was Valentine Michael Manson. That was uh, a son he had with Bruner. I think she was one of the first members of the Manson family or the Manson group. So it was always of interest about this book. And uh, I had a very topical understanding, a much deeper understanding now. And I understand kind of Heinlein sensibilities. And so both I and Valibus have read, uh, read that book together. So he has a bunch of comments. I do as well. So Valibus, are you there? William Ramsey, thanks for having me back again for another discussion here today. Look forward yeah. to the uh, topic of conversation. As you as you mentioned, it is a very logical kind of subsequent conversation, conclusion, you know, extension of our last conversation regarding Forey Ackerman and his, you know, science, he's, his group of science fiction. Yes. Yeah, no, writers. I totally. Essentially his group because he was the publisher of science fiction writers and the little, the little club they, they maintained. Right. So Which we talked about that? that club and we talked. Correct. Right. So that club that was in the Valley and about Hubbard and Heinlein, actually I did some research and he actually attended one of the Gnostic masses that was held by Jack Parsons or in that environment. So Heinlein. Oh, yeah. yeah. So he was familiar. He's an interesting character. Very interesting character. He said he intended a performance saving the program a paperbound copy of Crowley's Book of the Law for future reference. Well, he references that Book of the Law in Stranger in a Strange Land. I don't know if you caught that, but the the history book about Heinlein was titled Robert H. Heinlein in Dialogue with His Century uh, by William Patterson. So that covers that. But uh, oh well, I didn't. I do. I did not catch that in the book. He mentions the book of the law. Yeah, he does. So in the, the sequence where Valentine Michael Smith is traveling with his girlfriend, they stop in Palo Alto, and Michael Valentine Smith, Valentine Michael Smith, goes into the Hoover Institute and reads all of the kind of great books. And the sequence goes: the Talmud, Kama Sutra, Bibles in various versions, the Book of the Dead, Book of Mormon, Patty's precious copy of New Revelation. Apocrypha of various sorts, the Quran, the unabridged Golden Bough, the way of the science and health with key to the scriptures, sacred writings of a dozen other religions, major and minor, even such deviant oddities as Crowley's Book of the Law. So that's like the drama. Oh, yeah. I guess I got distracted there on the Mormon piece because I grew up Mormon. And uh, anytime I see that stuff referenced, it always catches my eye quicker. Interesting. So for what was your kind of first impressions of the book? I but mean, they're very much some it. organizations in, in many um Strategic, strategical aspects. And what like Mormonism and what Crowley's? Right? Yeah, well, Th- Thelema Scientology, they're all kind of ancient alien cargo cults in a sense. And uh, believing that this this planet was seeded by aliens at a time long ago. And they all they all have that core belief to their to their systems. 
Right. The Book now, of Mormon has uh, what? It's uh, there's Kolob, isn't that the foreign? <laughs> right. Correct. You're Kolob right. Kolob and the God is in, a, in a, another planet, right? And then it God. Uh, yeah, God's a man, much like uh, you know humans. This is their belief of Mormonism. Right. Much like humans, God lives on a on a planet Kolob in the Sirius star system, and all these right. and whether it's the Rosicrucians, whether it's the Thalamites, whether it's the Thule Society, all these groups, they all have interest in this in the Sirius star system. Serious star, right? The dog star. And then Crow uh, Hubbard's was, what was the name of his god or that created, uh, sent beings to the earth? It was... Uh, Lom? Is it Lom? No, that was Crowley's. Crowley's, oh. like the god lamb, but was... Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, you saw Hubbard's. Um, Zenu. Hub- Zenu. Zenu, thank you. Yeah, so Zenu. So. Yeah, Zenu. Um, yeah, I so get, they I have get a my completely alien different... Word, mixed up. Right. Yeah. Well, it's hard to keep track. <laughs> but uh, anyway, just for people who don't know, Stranger in a Strange Land is about the arrival of somebody from Mars, a Martian named Valentine Michael Smith, and comes to Earth. And he is, in my opinion, the stranger in the strange land. So he is this alien and observes and tries to learn about the you know the you the country of the and he's he's uh, becomes kind of a. A celebrity in his own right, right? So he uh, sure he comes to Earth and he has his own special powers. And they keep in the very beginning, Highline keeps describing him as the face of an angel. And uh, he, Smith is this Valentine Michael Smith. You can see kind of why Manson would be interested in this in this person because he was intuiting everything. They invented this word grok, right, for stranger in a strange land. So Valentine Michael Smith is constantly grokking, which is kind of like an empathic understanding, much more as the way I interpreted it. But, uh, yeah, very interesting kind of uh, sequence of events of of him relating to human beings. And he he becomes the richest man in the world based upon other stuff. And so, Anyway, anything, any introductory comments? Yeah, I can see. Yeah, I like where you started there. I, I can see where Manson would definitely have an interest as the character's a very polarizing figure, not unlike Charles Manson himself. Right. True. He's, uh, you know, anyone who met Manson had a very ardent opinion, whether it's positive or negative. There was no really in between. And he, uh, he definitely, if you encountered the man through many accounts, it seems that everyone re- recalled their encounter. Whether it would be good, right. probably so and positive, was kind or of like a Valentine Michael Smith, right? Yeah, and seems, it's, I mean, that's kind of what I thought about when I read it. Yeah, like that's kind of the when I, when I was reading it, like I, I kind of thought, well, I could see why because you had mentioned Manson made his family read the book, correct? That's what they said, and then I read yeah. somewhere else that that Manson said it wasn't important. But why did Manson name his son from Bruner Valentine Michael Manson? I mean, it's it's very distinct. So in, in kind uh, of in that vein of you mentioning that, I I kind of read that. Oh yeah, it, and I kind of just in that, in that same thing. I guess kind of thought Manson kind of maybe viewed himself as that character in a, in a sense. Right, I agree. I definitely agree. And and again, we're talking about the same kind of group of people. Again, Manson identified himself as a Scientologist. Right, he was clear. He went all the way through Scientology. So right, correct. So yeah, he he, and this is a, by his own admission and his own attempts, in which apparently, according even to the. The Church of Scientology's accounts, he did attempt to try to, you know, make some sort of connections within the, the Celebrity Center in Hollywood at various times. Oh, interesting. Well, they all covered up how much Manson was networked in Hollywood. Everybody didn't know Manson after the murders, but he was very oh, much, big much networked. Yeah, yeah. He, he ran networked in, and he also, these women didn't come from, like, just didn't come out of the ether. He was running these women as part of a, a modeling and talent agency. Right, a cover for prostitution, right? So Correct. he was a pimp. So he's a sophisticated Correct. pimp. So he's kind of like Epstein before Epstein in a way. I don't know how much blackmail he was using, but he definitely was was funneling girls around Hollywood, yeah. And, uh, it, you know, Manson himself is just such an interesting character. So I could, I can kind of see those correlations, too, in reading the, the story that Highland wrote of, of this in Stranger to Strange Land is... I mean, not 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 like the plot points, but kind of just generally speaking, you kind of can just see where that's that is kind of Manson. Yes, no, good point. Because like Manson was his own religious figure, right? So he's yeah. a lot very similar to Valentine Michael Smith, like his own kind of religious figure who had kind of a and he was so he kind of seemed like alien to everybody. You know, no one had seen somebody yeah. like Charles Manson before. But like Valentine Michael Smith, at the arc of the whole book, he becomes a reverend in this weird church, Church of All Worlds. So. 
in some yep. ways. Like Manson had his own family with his own kind of weird view. Like there was a, his cosmology. They went into that big, uh, went to the desert and there was the hole that led to hell or whatever. Like he was really working his followers over in a big way. And it kind of sounds like the Manson religion that he was running amongst his family was kind of similar to the Church of All Worlds. In the sense that it was kind it of really was, you know, a neo pagan kind of organization based yeah, upon like sec- a lot know, of sexual of kind of, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's very sexually charged, very focused on the environment. You know, that's that's Manson right there. Really true. Their correlations are really stark, they're very, they're very to me obvious. Yeah, yeah, it really jumped out at me. I don't think that's really well known about Manson how much he was more of an like an environmentalist type character, you know. Right, I think he had Atwa, right? Wasn't that the um, acronym for but, his thing? Yeah, that's kind of what where that religion was yeah. built around in the story as well. Right. Do you remember Manson's Atwa A A T acronym? Do you ever hear of uh, uh, Atwa? Yeah, I, mean, I know what you're talking about. I don't remember the precise, um, uh, you know, what, it, what the uh, definition of it. What it spells out. Was is air? Air, trees, water, animals. There we go. Yep. That's yeah, that, was, that was kind of the, the core belief system of Charles Manson. Right. The ecological belief system propounded by Charles Manson. Yeah. So he had his own kind of, you know, worldview. But uh, what, what are your kind of first impressions when you're reading through, other than the correlations so it, with Charles Manson? Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, really, honestly, that screamed to me like the entire story. Like, I mean, maybe because, you know, maybe a little bit because I was set up knowing that Manson had handed this book to his family and made them read it and all. But, I mean, again, the whole storyline just screams Charles Manson to me, from the from the cult, the the way the cult set up, the philosophical concepts of the cult, the alien nature of the character. Because, because you know, looking at the 1950s, you know, and into the 1960s, where Manson, you know, you know, the, the namesake Charles Manson derives from mid to late 1960s. There, he um, he was an alien in a strange, you know, he was a stranger in a strange land in Hollywood and, and in California in general. No, there was not a lot of people like him, especially, you know, reading comments from like, even the Hollywood crowd, like Neil Young, for example, he, very positive comments on Charles Manson. And he very much speaks of him as being this character un, totally unlike like anyone, anyone else. But there are also themes with you know, Stranger that's in when I read the story land. of. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that Heinlein, it's not a Christian. I mean, it has Christian overlap. The main character, Valentine, has a Christ element to him as somebody coming to Earth and then dying at the end. I probably, there's sure. going to be tons of spoilers for this book, so uh, don't listen. <laughs> right. You might want to read this book before listening to this. All the way. But he, I mean, he follows this. I mean, he's hinted at that he's an angel, right? So he's hinted at, but also their worldview is very collective consciousness, collectively God awareness. It's not that there is a, it's not the kind of Old Testament Judeo-Christian view of there's a God in heaven, right? So he, what what Valentine Michael Smith preaches is this kind of thing that's very Manson-ish in some ways. Yeah, it's very Gnostic-like. Yeah, yes. Gnostic, yes. Thou art God, yeah, I am God. I didn't know yeah, that that was exactly repeated yeah. so often throughout that book. Yep. That, that, that's and that's another correlation if you're looking for a correlation between kind of the scientology thelemite concepts that are displayed there with with manson or with highland story you know it um the whole i am god gnostic belief system is pretty rampant through mormonism as well well you're going to be a god if you're in mormonism and you're doing it right eventually you will be elevated to god status yeah you're you're yeah exactly you're your own god you get your own planet that you kind of your business. own wives you right. populate so it's very sexual i mean very sexual, Mormons, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. How many kids? How many kids did Joseph Smith yep. have that were known? Very sexual like, and, uh, and very agnostic. And, you, you are your own god, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean and then he has Mormons kind of and Valentine, right, yeah, and Valentine Michael Smith has magical powers, so you can see this kind of like sure. superpower person that a lot of these guys are into the new age to do, you know, but I uh, telekinesis and. Uh, hyper consciousness or mind reading, right? So there's all these elements are yeah, there. Yeah. There was a lot of that, those concepts in there as well, which, yeah. which again falls right within that circle of activity of thelemite Scientologists, because that's precisely what they're into. 
the, the core belief systems that they maintain is that they can unlock secret powers within their own mind in which to become superhumans. Right. Qu- quite literally, in fact, because the Church of Scientology just dumped about $60 million in recent years into a, the construction of a new facility there in Clearwater, Florida, at their home base there. And it's called literally called the Superpowers Building. Wow. So. Well, that's that's what you're going up that ladder to get or going through all those trainings is to have, you know, clear. You're supposed to have power over matter, energy, space, and time when you're done. That's your whole, the whole thing, right? Yep, precisely. That's yep. the hub of and in the, and, and in developing those, you become a new a new human. And, you know, right. that's their literal, literally what they call them. It's a stage above regular humans. Right. And that's fascinating that you say that because that's what Valentine Smith becomes. He becomes kind of a Hubbard figure who's teaching the Martian language and how he is to this whole followers. Right. So he becomes a kind of a, he becomes a religious leader, but also a cult leader. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. I picked on these. He picked up on the exact same thing. Cause you have all these circles. So almost this kind of cult degree thing is worked into this book. So you go, you try to get to the ninth circle with Valentine Smith. And one of the, sure. one of the things I copied and pasted was, uh, one, day after day, he screens hundreds of people to find a few dozen. So Valentine Smith is working through the population. And out of those, very few trickle into the nest, and he trains them further. And someday Mike will have some of us so thoroughly trained that we can go out and start other nests, and then we can begin to snowball. None one of us, even us in the nest, are really trained. you know. So he's actually processing human beings like a cult leader would, right? Not like somebody in a church. Absolutely. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and and you know, and, and and again, it has some very serious religious, over, you know, overtones, not just undertones. And the the title of the book is a is a direct quote from the King James Bible, right? It was Exodus twenty two, right? Something like that. Two, uh, it's definitely Exodus. Exodus, yeah, yeah. two two twenty two, right? Yeah. And also, like there, are, you can yep. see high lines. Like you did more yeah, research I mean, that's, on uh, high lines really, back yeah, much there when you're when you're doing that, right? Can you talk about Heinlein's background and who he was as a person and how that influenced the book? Sure, and maybe that's just the uh, the, the law enforcement history of, of you know career of mine in my past that makes me look at someone's bio before I start understanding what they're writing about. But yeah, you know to kind of know where they're coming from. But yeah, Rob he, Heinlein's an interesting character because he uh, he himself was a and this is not abnormal for science fiction writers. He was an intelligence officer in World War II. Very common. Lots of, without fail, I mean, the OSS, the Office of Strategic Services that formed the CIA in the aftermath of World War II, they're all, they're all writers, and predominantly fiction writers, and science fiction writers at that. For example, um, Corbinder Smith, he was the head of psychological operations for, well, um, for uh, the U.S. Army. He was the U.S. Army officer in World War II, and had a psychological... Operations. His real name, though, is Paul Weinbarger. That's the U.S. Army officer. Corbin Smith was a science fiction writer, pen name. So, all of these guys. Now, he was he was Elron Hubbard's college roommate, and Elron Hubbard was? actually stole that man's. Bu- no, Weinbarger. Um, Weinbarger. Okay. I'm just yeah. I'm just trying to build a kind of the bigger picture here of the background of all these guys. You know, Heinlein's just part of a larger circle of people who seemingly were all military intelligence officers in World War II turned science fiction writers. Um, uh, again, so Elron Hubbard's college roommate, Paul Weinberger was his name, his pen name, Corbinder Smith. He actually wrote the book on psychological warfare for the U.S. Army. And Elron Hubbard stole much of his biography and claimed to be his own. For example, Weinberger spoke seven different languages, and Elron Hubbard would later claim to also speak seven different languages. I see. So, you know, in Heinlein, he's of that same same crew. He's a Navy Intel communications officer in World War II. His brother, in fact, was a two-star general for the United States Air Force. And they actually have a, a family history of, of fighting wars here in this country. The Heinleins have, uh, you know, fought for the United States military in every war since the Revolution. And as a result of that, their family is... Of the is is Heinlein a member of the Society of Cincinnati, which was George Washington's secret society that he made out of his his army officers. I don't know if Heinlein was, but somebody of his his family tree certainly is. 
Right. And there's a huge uh, society of Cincinnati. So he, very he's, ornate he's building right in D.C. Yeah. Are, yeah. yeah, please continue. No, yeah. Well, the society is an interesting group because they're, they're really at the heart of many, many activities in this country to, to date. You know, when you have, uh, for example, just off the top of my head, you know, the McCains, John McCain. John McCain, the senator who recently passed, was number three. John McCain, one and two, his father and grandfather. They uh, they were the only four father-son, four-star general duo. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. In the United States history, both, mm-hmm. both individually members of the society because it's, it's a hereditary organization. So it's passed down from father to son, father to son. But it doesn't always work that way because individuals such as Winston Churchill was a member. And Winston Churchill, the British prime minister during World War II, who was an ardent hater of the Nazis, rightfully so, um, he, uh, he was a member and is through his mother because his mother is a, uh, his grandfather had no sons. He only had a daughter. So went through the mother. The mother was American. Yeah. Down to Winston Churchill. So it's an interesting organization as far as their, his mother was American, correct? Yes, yes. However, it is also a French society. So there's members from the French side and the American side. For example, George Washington was the head of the American side of the society, where his counterpart, Marquis de Lafayette, the French general, was in charge of the French society. Gotcha. And, and it continued on well after the war because, you know, you had folks like Napoleon who took over in the immediate aftermath. You know, he's, he's pardoning all the French society members from prison, although Lafayette got banished to America. But so just, just to make the point that the society is a very powerful organization. They're involved in a lot of things. Most people have never heard of them. But Robert Heinlein, absolutely his family, if not himself, a, a, member, a member of that organization. Right. But he was also, Heinlein was what, at the military academy, right? Wasn't he a West Pointer? Uh, I, I believe he had a stint with the Naval Academy. Naval Academy. academy. So he's yeah. in Annapolis. His bro- yeah. They wouldn't let him in because his brother was already serving, but I think eventually he went in. So he was at the higher, you know, echelons of the military. Yeah, he, had, he tried to get into the Naval Academy, I think, and then ended up going, yeah, exactly. Eventually eventually got through, became a Naval officer, correct, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he's a, definitely an interesting character. Regarding his, uh, more of the Thelemic kind of connections of the man, he's, he's very interesting in that respect. He literally gave the play-by-play on national broadcast you know, the national TV broadcast of the Apollo 11 moon missions. Wow. He, he gave that with, um, I believe Walter was more Walter Cronkite. Right. But so he's, he's this there is with also Walter Cronkite doing the broadcast of the Apollo 11 moon missions. Right. But do you know who else they had for commentary was Arthur C. Clarke. So you had two very well, well known. Right. Exactly. So you have the other kind of, of three, like occultist. Yeah. Commenting on the supposedly real event. Right. Is exactly, exactly. Supposedly real event run by a Nazi, an ardent Nazi at that, very serious Nazi. You know, um, yeah, make uh, a big paperclip, Von Warner, Braun. Werner Von Braun. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very serious Nazi. And, and, and on top of that, I mean, if you just look at it from the basic fundamental elements of a situation, you have a, a thelemic ritual that created the, the fuel for the, for the rockets, the solid state rocket right. fuel in Jack Parsons' sex magic ritual in the Pasadena desert, which created that fuel. He himself admitting that he's not a chemist. He's merely a magician. Magician, right. Yeah, that's fascinating. I mean, there may be a real connection between Heinlein and Parsons. Like he, Heinlein may have, I suspect in my gut that there's some connection there that he knew what Parsons was up to. I mean, there's certainly within the same circle of people at the same time doing the same activity. So it certainly seems reasonable. Well, just like you said, his, his biographer said he attended those the the meetings in Hollywood, and that's probably Pat Parsons at least there, and some of these other people. I mean, the founder of he could have he, the potential is that Heinlein could have been at a Gnostic mass where the founder of the whole homosexual rights movement was at and Parsons. Yeah, I mean, and, and very likely was a was a Scientologist at least at one point in time in his life because right. 
per per the uh, the admission of Ackerman, the publisher of that science fiction writers group and member of the group, he he stated in a documentary interview in the late nineties before he passed in the early two thousands that they were all members of Scientology at the, in the early stages. Right, it's incredible. The club that is, they're all, all the members of the club. They, we all, he said, I think he says it. He says it so nonchalantly, like we all tried out. You know, and there are pictures like even on Heinlein's, even his Wikipedia page, he's hanging out with all these guys. He's hanging out with Clark. He's hanging out with Asimov. So it's a it's a relatively rarefied circle. Yeah, and look and look at this, look at his circle of friends there. Those, those three guys, and they're all well. So Heinlein is credited himself with writing Starship Troopers, correct? However, Asimov and Arthur C. Clarke, they're all meeting frequently, having coffee and, and bouncing ideas off each other while he's writing that story kind of deal. So they're all kind of in that same mix when he's writing that story. And, all, and the other two, you know, amongst other amongst other activities with those three men, that, you know, including the Apollo moon mission, play by play, et cetera. Well, the other two folks besides Heinlein there, they're confirmed well. Not necessarily confirmed, but Arthur C. Clarke was a diddler. He got he got banished from the United Kingdom to Sri was it Sri Lanka for uh, molesting young boys. Yeah, he was doing it there too. That was all covered up. That was all spiked. But I have the right. original well, stories. They went. I mean, I think that it, yeah, no, he was saying they used to go to this this ping pong place and pay for yeah, yeah different. Yeah, I think they were interested in stopping. They were just the United Kingdom was just interested in him doing it somewhere else. You know what I mean? That's kind of the way I took it. Was reading, looking at the facts of the situation there. And then Isaac Asimov, his son, who literally lives off his father's proceeds in life and, and royalties, was found to be the largest produ- producer of child pornography in American history. Yeah, he had the largest collection of child porn in history, right? And then he got a slap on the wrist from, from oh, having I mean, he, he, he barely got a slap on the wrist. He got a tap on the wrist. Yeah, they gave him the uh, Hunter Biden treatment. By Robert Mueller. Of the new report and FBI, oh, oh, he, was, he was the U.S. attorney there at the time. Oh my gosh! And he, Robert Mueller, so, was directly uh, tied uh, to Epstein. As my son, I mean, he wasn't only. Oh, absolutely! I mean, again, these circles are not very large; they're very small circles of these people. And you know, as far as Asimov's son goes, he wasn't only distributing pornography and collecting it; he was producing it. And I've read some of the investigatory documents involved in that case, and they the the. The investigators identified some of the child victims as being locals to the San Jose, California area. And in wow. fact, no one did anything about it. Wow. So they, wow. they didn't go save. No one saved these kids. This is this is the statements of the, of the detectives of the case that, that, that no one did. No, there's no follow up. Wow. Because they, they passed it off to the feds from the from the state level. So right. they obviously didn't have any more hands on and the feds didn't do a thing. And apparently some of these children were never saved. Sick. Yeah, that's disgusting. So, so Heinlein's network so these, with all not these only guys. Yeah, but we're talking like extreme political power. Like we're not even just discussing like science fiction or strange cold activities. I mean, that's a level of political power that I'm not even familiar with. And I'm not sure you have some experience in that department. If you're familiar with that level of political power either to see that somebody of that, of that ilk and that nature can just go walk free without even any without any punishment really whatsoever yeah that's that's disgusting so Heinlein's networked in what, these I mean, groups what i'm getting at is isaac asimov yeah. must have been a powerful man amongst the cult network oh uh, i see i wouldn't be surprised he kind of had a terrible ending he was one of the early guys he had a blood transfusion got hiv and died do you know that right yeah, yeah this is a public story. Yeah, it's a public story. But when you're part of a sex cult, I, I I question such stories. Well, that's a good question. So, do you think that Heinlein was part of that kind of uh, behavior? I mean, if he if he wasn't, he encircled himself at all times with these people. Right, and it's in the book. Like that's the feel of you know. The they book. were his friends. They were his professional associates. You know, if, if he was not involved and engaged in those same activities, it would be at least a stretch of my imagination to imagine a situation where he's not. Right, and and you know, and and to that polit- to that same note, the political power of all of this. I mean, you can if you read the the uh, kind of the where the Epstein story goes, the the John Podesta email releases of October of 2016. 
I mean, it became pretty evident reading those to me, at least to me, that John Podesta's, if he's not himself, he's associated with Thelema because in order to right. provide somebody a quote-unquote Thelemic favor of meeting, of a face-to-face -face meeting with Barack Obama, well, John Podesta cannot provide that Thelemic favor unless he understands what a Thelemic favor would be. The, no, the word Thelema is in there. It's there, yeah. but it's you're absolutely right. You're one of the first people who said that is because they distinctly use that term in an unusual way. Can you do me a thelema? It's like a different grammatical thing than just saying yep. the face word face meeting with Barack Obama. Yeah, right. Yep. Yeah. Right. It seems, and, it, and there's some other, so there's some more undertones of thelema in there, which also include emails where Kamala, I'm about to call her Kamala, Kamala Harris's sister is involved in a lot of those communications. Wow, I didn't know that. She's Oh, she's right there in the CC line of a lot of the Podesta emails. I didn't. I wasn't aware of that. I'm not surprised, though. Not surprised, oh, I'll, though. I'll, happy, I'll, I'll happily send it over your way. Please do. So, wow. Um, yeah, and Heinlein had a big, long career. So, I mean, this know, was not point being there is you have, you, Yeah, and and maybe, but but my, my let me finish my my point very quickly with that though is maybe we don't know more of this story, more co of these concepts and understandings of the origins of Heinlein and his activities and his stories that, that he wrote about because of the political nature of of these of this group, because how else do you have people like Podesta who literally has been running the Democratic Party since? With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In circa 1995, that, you know, him and his brother ran the most powerful lobbying firm in D.C., as stated by the Washington Post, the most powerful brothers since Kennedy. Um. You know, how do you have that if these aren't these aren't politically, you know, how do you have members of seemingly of this cult that are so politically strong? You know, it, it seems it seems like those two things are mutually exclusive. You have some secret cult that no one's ever really heard of or really understands, but is at the core, like, uh, you know, a lot of our technology, our science fiction, our you know, pop culture. And, but no one really knows it. Well, I think no one really knows it's because of the, the strong political nature behind it. Yeah, and there's it, um, Podesta is sitting there with, um, oh, geez, what's the guy who wrote the Necronomicon? Peter Lavenda. I mean, those yep. pictures are just so potent. That yeah, Lavenda, and you can go on the you can go on the Secretary of State website and find official pictures of Hillary Clinton with Maria Abramovich. Yeah, no, yeah. Official State Department. Pictures and she's there in the groups. So I mean, and she's obviously high up in Thelema as well, and, and deeply involved in the Podesta emails as well. So again, that's what I'm saying. If, without having such a high political power structure behind it, there's, no, you know, I think that's the only reason why some of the concepts we're discussing today are for the first time, and for probably for the first time for many people, right. to even understand these concepts. I mean, it's and you know. Circle back real quick to ancient aliens and ancient alien cargo cults, as I said, that Mormonism and Thelema and Scientology are all kind of these ancient alien cargo cults. Well, John Podesta is literally on the season premiere of Ancient Aliens on the History Channel. I mean, it's it's kind of funny you think about it that way, in an ironic sense. Right. Well, there's a lot of occultists. Well, yeah, there's so a lot of occultists associated with aliens, and much more than people would know, yeah. Well, well, that, but but then that goes right back to Highland. So that's all of these alien concepts, all these space concepts. Highland being one of the forefathers of these these space exploration concepts. I mean, they, they there's awards given today for concept for advancements in space exploration with his name on it. Now, it's it's only these group of people though. I find they're involved within space. The topics of space and the topics of aliens seemingly all go back to the Thelemic. Scientology type circles, and Heinlein is is at the center of that. Yeah, that's incredible. 
I mean, and there's other themes like there. He in Highland in his book, he talks about Mike is our Prometheus. He says, "Look at me, I am the Son of Man." He's directly referencing kind of uh, Christian themes. It's pretty remarkable, but but twisting them. Yeah. Well, no, Son of Man. I mean, isn't that a term used for G- for Jesus like, in the Bible? Right. Right. The actual the, son like, of man. the actual translation is the Son of Man. Right. No, it goes back to Enoch. Yes. Yeah, so he's referencing himself out of Enoch. Christ is. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I mean, there's a there's a perverse Christ thing, but then you go to Manson and you see the language he's using is all the same. I'm Christ and Satan. It's the same thing right yep. out of process church ideas. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's exactly what it was out of. Because as I believe as Manson said himself, that he is he is the leader of the process church. Well, I can't think of the, the leader of the process church on paper's name. Um, DeGrimston. He said he and DeGrimston are one. That's what he said. Yeah, he, they're the same person, right? right? Exactly, which is a very fascinating statement to make. Right. Well, that also is kind of Christian because he's Christ said, the Father and I are one. So these guys right. are playing off of uh, exactly, yep. and, they, and they intentionally too. Because if you yeah. read the materials, they're very open about intentionally. Par- yes, I mean, but that's the kind of perversion of Christianity. The, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and, and many people say that's a swastika that, that Charles Manson was a white nationalist and he's a swastika on his head. I, I would argue that's probably just the process church symbol, the four P's. I would agree with that too. I would hundred percent. Although he did, uh, Manson did have connections to not um, American National Socialism through oh, well, absolutely. James Mason. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I mean, the the people distributing his drugs and his drug campaign network of distribution were the Hell's Angels. So, I mean, he has he. Has the, the roots to the outlaw motorcycle gangs and some of the white nationalist organizations in that in that department, but I think ultimately speaking, what he was aiming for though was the was the was the process church um, symbol of the four P's on, on his forehead. Right. Um. Yeah. What else about just the book? What other impressions did you have while reading through it? Do you have anything you want to add? I mean, I think the biggest takeaway I had was again just that I, I almost felt like you could take. Charles Manson and insert plot points and in, in background of the 1960s and late 60s in Los Angeles and, and make that a, the same story, a stranger in a strange land starring Charles Manson. Yeah. Because again, it's almost to the, the, the same, the same activities. It's almost precisely the same activities, much in the sense that uh, a film like, uh, Oh brother, where art thou? And the story is, or for that matter, Fenning's wake is based upon the odyssey, you know, Homer's right. the Odyssey. You know, you have the, the the same plot points. For example, in the Odyssey, um, Odysseus fights the the Cyclops, and right, and, um, right. Uh, or Ulysses. I'm sorry. And uh, in uh, in Oberlin, where thou George Clooney's character Ulysses, this he fights John Goodman, who's got one eye. The Cyclops. Right. So right. much of that same regard. You can take the same kind of storyline of, of the stranger in a strange land and apply it to the entire Charles Manson story from his time out of, out of prison, the brief stint he had out of prison in the late 1960s in Los Angeles. Because what are we talking about? A two-year, right? Not very long. Two and a half year period total. Because he, I mean, he he left prison in in what 66, late 66, I think maybe, and was and was um, back in jail in, in 69. December sixty nine. Yeah, and, and when and when they drug they drug him back to jail in sixty nine. If you apply the concepts of you know the things that were going on at the time, you know LAPD is allegedly searching for these the murderer of these famous Hollywood star people. You know, it's these dirty hippies who hate them because of their money and, and fame and fortune, supposedly is how the, the media sold it, at least at the time. Well, they already have Manson's cohort, Bobby Boussole, in jail for the murder of Gary Hinman a month prior to the um, the actual murders of the Tate LaBianca murders. So if they were searching for anybody, they already had one of the members of that family. The family was identified already by the by the sheriff's department. They were well familiar with the family. You can read that in the in the reports, right? No, they knew they just didn't make these connections. Or supposedly, the actual but, 60, you know, in sixty eight, they were very familiar with the family. So you know, yeah. they, there was really you know, if you, 
So there, there was really not much of a manhunt. And when they when they finally did bring him in in December, it was for Grand Theft Auto. It wasn't even for the murders. I'm sorry, they had actually during I'm sorry, during that time between August and December of that year, they had Vanson in jail already for Grand Theft Auto and they let him out. Right. That's right. So I mean there wasn't really a search for Manson in particular. And and when they finally did bring him in, he even said somebody was pissed on his leash, as meaning like they had shortened his leash and he had to go back to jail now. So it's, it's really interesting in that regard because this is a brief period of time where Manson was let out of prison. And I mean, I'm not saying that he was intentionally trying to live the life and plot points of a stranger in a strange land, but it, reading that story and kind of applying it to the life of Charles Manson there in, in Los Angeles in the late 1960s, it's, it seems pretty accurate as far as the same tale. It's really amazing. I mean, just his, his relationship with women, how he was able to, have power over these women for the short, you know, this time, how they followed him, how he picked them up. It's all very similar. This kind of rocking and empathic. I mean, they haven't really figured out the totality of what Charles Manson was doing, but they knew that he could do it. Right. And I don't think for a second it's anything Vincent Bugliosi told everybody he was doing, the prosecutor in the case. No, I, I don't think that's the full story. I don't think. No. no way. I mean, I mean, is there elements of that story that could be true? Sure. There's yeah, no, I think so. True. Yeah. From his from his perspective as a prosecutor. Yeah. He collected a lot of that information, but I don't sure. think. I think he had a larger perspective. The, and, yeah. Anyway, what, anything else you want to add? Yeah, so in the 40 same, minutes. Yeah, I just think in the same sense, though, you know, Heinlein, you know, uh, and Manson, I just think, you know, if you're going to think about the the stories being kind of similar, they're, I mean, they're the same group, you know, Heinlein and Manson, that is, they, they, do they they know each other? I I have no no way to to know that for certain, but they, they were of the same circle of people. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty incredible. That's Being the, the Scientology. Yeah, I, I was what impressed me about the book about Stranger in a Strange Land was the frame of reference that Heinlein had that he you can see his intelligence. And it's probably the same with all these guys, Asimov and Clark, these science figures, even Hubbard. They're intelligent people. They have a good understanding of religions, psychology, ethnography, and you can see oh, that all in Stranger in a Strange Land. Absolutely. And I think, and, and to that note, I think in many, many regards, that's why they, those men are credited with certain elements in which they're credited for. Asimov, in, in many regards, is, is credited with the birth of rocketry. You know, and, and it, it all began in his f- stories of fiction. So we get we get rockets from fiction. We get space exploration from fiction. Before right. it allegedly happens, you know, in the real scientific world, we get it in science fiction first. Right. Well, Clark was credited with the geosynchronous orbit of a... Um, satellite that goes directly to Clark back in there the you go. this thing. So you're absolutely in, in right. Highland space exploration and Asimov rocketry. Yeah. No, it's so I mean they're all they're all kind of contributing certain elements to that, so that storyline, and and specifically Highland also is credited with the with the concepts of the birth of the supercomputer in artificial intelligence. 
and kind of going circling back to the Silicon Valley. Right, Clark, is, Clark and part as well. Clark and part, yeah, a lot of that. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah, and again, I don't know what it is. It just seems like there's a lot of, within the Silicon Valley atmosphere and environment, there seems to be a lot of philemic activities going on, um, not the least of which um, being uh, Glenn Maxwell's, for example, Glenn Maxwell's, well, Jack Parsons, the creator of Rocket Fuel, you know, Hephthalamite, his, uh, his lab, quote-unquote, lab partner and Suicide Squad member was... Um, uh, Molina. Frank Molina, and yeah, and Molina's son is married to Glenn Maxwell's sister, right? And they collectively, Molina's son and Maxwell's sister collectively created one of the earlier early internet search engines, right? And I so, think that Glenn Maxwell's sister is affiliated with something, some Santa Fe club in New Mexico that uses Clark's Ashlar slash. Well, you are correct. Yeah, is that yeah, is that a yeah. computer computer science kind of? Based, yeah, it's something like that. Yeah. It's like, yep. a, you know, now, is, that, is that the same group where, where her husband claims to talk to demons? Because depending on the day of the week, you can. I found various videos where the guy's claiming he's talking to aliens. I wouldn't and sometimes be surprised he he's talking to demons. I wouldn't be surprised. And that's and again, that's Molina's son. That's the yeah. his father was a member of the Suicide Squad. As if there's Clark. a difference, right? Whether you're talking, depends on or, who they want to tell whether they're talking well, to. Right? Well, that's my point. Is there even a difference, right? Is it just the, the verbiage they use to talk to? It's an excellent point to describe it to, to non the non initiated. Right, well said. Like you keep and, the, and again, keep I don't know the, what it is, uh, but they all all these. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you please continue. Oh no, no, go, uh, no, no, no. Go ahead. I, I wasn't going to say anything. Go you're you're right though. You're. I was just going to carry oh. on your point, which is that the non initiates get the alien story and the initiates get the devil story. Yeah. Story. It seems like that, right? Like yeah. it, I kind of feel that way when I'm reading these their materials sometimes. And, and in cert, like, again, certain circumstances I can find these characters talking about speaking of demons, including, um, the, say that last he, one. In that same the department. Oh, say that last thing to include. Yeah, to include Peter Lavenda, he is in that same group of people that sometimes claims he's talking to aliens or sometimes claims he's talking to demons. Yeah, I got to dig up my my in my uh, email thread with Lavenda. I've got it somewhere. And, oh, really? Out. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, there's a, I have a kind of a weird connection to Lavenda because oh, please I wrote, tell because I, I think he's an interesting. Well, when I wrote Prophet of Evil, right? So I wrote, that he wrote a very interesting book on Charles Manson himself. I didn't know that. I have to look that up. He's written interesting books. I've read his uh, three-part series. Uh, oh, I forgot what it is now. But uh, I've yeah, read some of his work. Part, part two is about Manson in that three-part series. It's called, oh, um, that's right. It's, it's uh, the first one's really the first one's about mounds. In fact, he goes into Manson and some of the the right. ancient architecture of America, the mounds right. that were built here. And and then part one and part two is is specifically about Manson and more of the mind control aspects. Um. Uh, he named, named it after uh, the, the Nixon quote, um, Sinister Forces. Sinister when the forces. question about the missing the missing uh, 17 minutes of the Watergate tapes, they, they they wrote it off to Sinister Forces and deleted it. Gotcha. You know? So my so. connection to Lavenda, my connection to Lavenda is I wrote Prophet of Evil 10 years ago. Then Trine Day put out a book called The Most Dangerous something ritual they put out a book that literally like borrowed my whole thesis without sure, my part of that book as well yeah yes. without my permission by the way but it was ghost written by lavenda and they put in the back i mean this is shameless i feel sorry for them because yeah but lavenda lavenda co-wrote that or secretly wrote that or was involved in it with sk bain but they put in all this nonsense at the end that totally twisted my conclusions pointing totally different place mm -hmm. But carrying it off like it was all—I mean, I don't know. We, I, so no, for me, I, no. This is this and this noticed. and this and this is my opinion. But it is uh, my opinion that when you write books that are nonfiction, you should have integrity towards your audience, like you're trying to tell your position for, to them. And I don't think that book has that at all. So, in my opinion, I would agree with you. I, I've actually read that book as well, and yours. And I think that is, you said S.K. Bain. That's correct, right? Is the author. Yeah, yeah. Or the written, or the on paper author, at least. Yeah, the, the, I felt so that supposedly that takes you on a strange ride. Yes, you feel no, like a stranger, it kind of feels like sinister forces. Yeah, like yeah, back no, it does. Forces. It does in a sense. You're right. It does in a sense. Yeah, yeah strange sinister forces. It takes you on a strange ride. It doesn't really reach a conclusion. Yes, the, and the conclusion. Yeah. yeah. 
No, you're absolutely right. And also, it does make you feel like mm, I don't know if that's accurate. Well, they made out like there's going to be a nuclear bomb that that's blows up so. in, in Nevada, and all these things they predicted. They made these predictions that were fan- to me totally right. fantasy land. And so well, that's like irresponsible, right? Like intentionally. I would say so. Like an, that would be my opinion. Like you know, I got to be careful yeah. when you talk about that because no, I understand. I'm, I understand. I'm saying just, my opinion. I'm explaining how I, I took it as more of like an intentional deception, and which is I feel like is within the wheelhouse of of Thelema. Like I would like, agree with that as well. That's my opinion. To agree with you as well, but anyway, so S.K. Bain has a history. S.K. Bain has his own history, bro. With um, the he worked for somebody, I think, at the Project for the New American Century. Oh, really? So like, the peanut guy? Yeah, <laughs> dude, it's so bad. I, I just and, it's so and peanut disgusted. finds its origins in, in Laurel Canyon in the 1960s, <sighs> not far from Charles Manson. It just kind of makes you sick that these. I mean, and then people really respect um, that publishing house and Milligan. And no, just it's like, true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. You just like get two bricks and bang your head together. Like you see these people just rambling on and just go, "Oh, this is so, in my opinion, so dishonest." Oh my god, super deceptive. Anyway, that's my. Com- yeah, I mean, I had an interesting thing about Lavender, though, writing, writing that book. Yeah, I'll have to go back and look up my facts. I just got to get it right, but it's been a while. But no, yeah. I mean, he's an interesting character. He, you know, he caught my eye years ago with the Sinister Forces pieces and Manson and the Mounds. Right. I'm very interested in both of those subjects, the Mounds and Manson, and both subjects as they cross over one another. But also the fact that what he's up to today, he's, he's writing books yes. with Tom DeLong. Right. And he, I mean, um, I don't know if you know this. He's a member yeah. of Tom DeLong's To the Stars Academy, which is literally run by a very high-ranking Scientologist named Hal Putoff. There you go. Do you know that he's supposedly the secret writer of the Necronomicon, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I heard, actually, I went back and I found an, an interview. I think it was on Coast to Coast. Yes. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Where, where, where supposedly, quote-unquote, Simon is talking. And it's, right. I mean, it sounds like Lavenda. Yeah, it sure does. I mean, if you were to ask me, if that is that Peter Lavenda? On the other end of that interview, I would say, yeah. But it's, yeah, it would be my well. opinion as well. That would be my opinion as well. Okay. Anyway, great book. I mean, I'm glad we wrote this. And I, I love this theme that we've kind of followed on with Ackerman because it really gives you a better kind of, even if it's fiction, there's not a lot. Of, there's a lot of nonfiction in this book. There's a lot of facts. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's not an obscure book. This is in the National Archives. Yeah. This is one of the, like the most revered books yes. in America. So it really gives an insight to that time and place and also Manson and how you can see how he could be influenced by this and really fascinating kind of fills it out. So if you have any other, anything to add Valibus, please do now. No, I think that's, I think we've, we've nailed it here as far as a good discussion regarding both the book stranger in a strange land and the, the odd character, Robert Heinlein. Yeah, I think you're right, man. Let's do another one. Let's figure out another one. And also, I just want to say thank you for being patient with me. I had a last month was really tough, so I appreciate. I'm hey, sorry for all of the delays and all. Hey, same, hey, William Ramsey, same here. I appreciate your time. It was yeah. a great conversation. I enjoy it every every time we get the chance Likewise. to have these. Likewise, let's do it again soon. Take care. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.